Today I'm sitting down with Eddie Chang who specializes in Facebook and Google ads for e-commerce brands. He recently, recently took a shoe brand that was doing about 30K a month in sales and scaled them to 300K a month in sales through Facebook and Google ad optimization. Today we're gonna to be talking about Google ads, Facebook ads, as well as the state of e-commerce. With that being said, my name is Nikita and let's jump into the video. Welcome Eddie, what's going on, man? What's good, man? Good to be here, man. Appreciate you uh, getting me on here. Looking forward to this. Yeah, likewise. I know we chit chat here and there in the uh, Slack group as well as on Twitter, but wanted to see your face and talk with you one on one about ads, e-com and everything else. Yeah, man, for sure. Let's do it. Cool. So your main specialty is just paid ads. Is that like Facebook, TikTok, Google, or is there any specific? Not, not TikTok no more. Uh, and we it. can get into why, but mostly these days it's Facebook and Google. Gotcha. Gotcha. What landed you in Facebook and Google ads to begin with? Uh, so I've been doing ads like for, I feel like the longest time, even in my nine to five. So mm. when I moved into the agency space and did my own thing, it was like a natural progression for me. So yeah, that's really how I got to where I am now. Gotcha. So you mainly started with marketing in like a nine to five agency first, and then went off to do your own thing. Yeah, it was an ad tech company. And um, so I, I used to head up a team uh, and we used to service clients like Nike, Adidas, like all these like Heineken, all these companies, Tiffany & Co. So it was like uh, the typical like, media bullshit that you get in that kind of world, you know, like it's, it's so much like fucking wild shit. <laughs> Big campaigns, high stress, a lot of pressure, lots of like bullshit with sales and like selling this campaign, that campaign. No, that's that's bullshit. Why'd you sell that? All that kind of stuff, right? And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm done with this, man. I'm 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 doing my own thing. So that's why, yeah. Fast forward a few years, I'm yeah, got my own show, own team, and uh, yeah, enjoying it. So that's mainly what caused you to break away from that nine to five. Is just what was it like advertising illegitimate illegitimate products or BS products, or was it just the brands were too big? Yeah, it it was. So it was an advertising tech company. It's called Bliss. B L I S. You could look it up. And they're a global advertising tech platform that specializes in location. So you can do some crazy shit where, so let's say we, we had clients like um, Jaguar Land Rover, the car mm -hmm. company. And we could run campaigns like, okay, let's, let's target people who have recently been seen because you can track location based on device now, right? Like all this shit is tracked now. There's no privacy yeah. anywhere, right? And you could do this thing where, all right, I'm going to serve ads to, for your campaign based on people who have been seen in dealerships mm. in this area and that area. And I can even say, okay, let's target everybody who has historically been seen in a car dealership in the last seven days, right? And then serve your ads to those. So we know they're in the market to buy a car, mm. right? So shit like that, we, we used to do that kind of stuff. And so, but then, you know, maybe I won't go into too much detail uh, here because this is, uh, you know, recorded, but you get a lot of like, dodgy shit, right? Because a lot of those, those campaigns were programmatic. I don't know if, if you're familiar with programmatic ads. It's all the shit you see on like publishers, like like The Guardian or like yep. Wall Street Journal, like those type of ads. And it's all like open, like an open network, right? Uh, where it's like you're just bidding, bidding for, the, for these uh, placements. And... The camp, those campaigns are sold differently to like a Facebook campaign or like a Google campaign. Those campaigns are like usually sold on a on an impression basis. So we're gonna say, mm -hmm. all right, we're gonna guarantee you a million impressions, right, for this campaign, and you're gonna we're gonna charge you this CPM for it. So it's gonna be like I don't know, like three hundred k for this campaign for the next month, right? The problem with that is that when you're selling location, 
Like, how are you going to guarantee that you have that many impressions to begin with? Like, how do you know there's going to be that many people in this area? Yeah. So then all these people will be selling this shit that's like so exaggerated, so full blown. Like, oh yeah, I can guarantee you 10 million people, man. Just pay me this money. It's got it. We've got the data for it. And, and meanwhile, my guys, my team, the ones who are running the campaigns, like, don't have that fucking data, man. Why are you selling yeah. that, right? And it's all of that stuff, right? So yeah, let's just say it was... Uh, it was stressful. <laughs> it sounds a like a ways. shit show to me. Uh, it's like one of those like Indian bots you get in your email. They're like, I can guarantee you rank one on SEO. And it's like, <laughs> I know you can't, but you know, so I can totally see, like I would have to move away from that person. just like out of morality sake. It's just like, I can't like, I have a thing like an internal core of like, I can't promise something that I can't deliver. And I like to hold my promises true every single time. So it's just like, why are we selling this? And then hundred percent. Yeah. And, that, and that's why I moved to social to like Facebook and Google, because with, with programmatic, there's so many new technologies that are coming out of the woodwork, like new companies are springing out all the time, claiming to do this thing, claiming to do that thing. Or oh, our database can do this, or we can do this cross channel analysis bullshit, right? Everyone's saying a new thing, but because it's so fresh and there's so many new things cropping up all the time, there's no police. Yeah. There's nobody there to like verify, oh, what you're actually saying, your reporting is actually accurate. You're telling me that you've got X number of conversions or you drove this number of people into your brick and mortar store, but like nobody can, nobody can check that. Nobody can verify that. So like, it's just all that bullshit, right? So I'd rather, okay, you know what? Let's just stick to Facebook and Google where at least like 60% of the world use these platforms and they trust these platforms. And it's, you know, everybody has a good consensus that these numbers are accurate and as at least you can work with them to grow your business. Right. So there's no, like no room for like, Oh, is that bots? Is that fake? Is that real? Like what I'm, where's my money going into, you know? So that's why I like, I like Facebook and Google and why you know, I, I chose to go in that direction. It's funny you mentioned that because I remember seeing an ad the other day or the other week where it's a comp it's another you know data driven like ad like advertising add-on service that helps prevent bots from going on your website so it's like a back and forth like yeah. uh you know you got bots maybe like being sent to your ads and then it's like you got the anti-bots fighting for your ads and it's just like at this point just focus on the social and you'll be good 90 percent of the time and once you moved away from that position was it just you and like a handful of clients that you were working with and slowly built up your team that way. Oh, dude, you're going to make me go into PS, P, P, PTSD, man, thinking about this story, dude. <laughs> when, I, when I fucking, uh, when I, sorry, I can't swear, can I? You're good. If I, when, I, when I quit my job, this was uh, like pr properly, this was, I think it was February 2020. And I had one client at the time. Um, and it was a decent client. I think they were paying like 2,500 or 2,500 pounds. So, like 3000 usd literally when i quit that's when the whole cough cough jib jab shit started happening and going on and then lockdown happened right and my client their business just completely did a 180 overnight because they, a lot of their stock came from china mm. and they closed their borders they closed their exports so they were like fucked i'm like oh shit how happened that so now i can't work with you i'm like oh fuck now i don't have a client and it was a lot of fucking dark times man those few months was like was was uh was was tough dude but, that uh, that's what I noticed when I, I had the same exact thing happen on my end where it's just like every single, like trying to get every, like a client to just pay my bills in that early time. And it was so difficult, man. And it was just like, it was dead for like two weeks or three weeks, like right after the initial, like, I guess March was just completely dead. And then April, May, everything boomed back up because everyone's like, oh shit, this is going to keep going. 
you know, we need to be online. And now there was like a huge boom of like just businesses going online. So mm-hmm. it was like, I guess a rebound effect, but like that first month was just like, fuck, what do I, what am I doing with my life at this yeah. point? You know? And, and, and coupled with the fact that I was so shit at business as well at the time, like, like, so it's weird, right? It's a weird one for me because in my like previous job, I had enough business experience where I knew, cause it was like in a weird high level type of position where I have those senior conversations with like decision makers, but I had never, I was never a salesperson. So I never knew how to sell and like, and actually like, you know, build a business, grow a startup. Like I didn't know those things. I just knew how to have conversations and like professional business conversations. So I had that, but I didn't have the selling. So when that happened to me in, in 2020, those, those first few months, I was like, I was lost, dude. Like I didn't know what to do, how to, like what I should be doing, what steps I should be doing because I was still new to the game, right? Like I didn't get it. And so that was, uh, so even though there's like you mentioned, like everything rebounded back, there was so much opportunity there. I just didn't know how to, how to, how to find it, how to, how to like capitalize on that at the time, at the time. But um, yeah, anyway. it's, it's definitely difficult to get into sales because there's a whole different, it's as a business owner, you have to get into like every single piece of the process in the business especially when you're starting up fresh and by yourself so it gets very overwhelming very very quickly and trying to manage all that is just so difficult and until you get you know to a position where you can hire off and, and offload some tasks like some of the fulfillment and then you can start focusing on the sales or the content you know what have you so pretty much throughout like 2020 2021 and up until 2022 you've just been scaling up your agency with now employees i'm guessing and yeah. the whole team yeah yeah we're, we're good now i've got a team of six people uh we're like i'm super happy with it with, with you know how we work we like work really well together and that's really rare and um you know everyone's they they they, they know how to make decisions for themselves and that's what i well, i'm very i'm so i'm very blessed yeah and we we are uh, yeah we, we have fun and we work work with some great clients and uh yeah just hoping looking to, to keep growing and helping more people so that's the goal man like the culture fit is absolutely huge for us like making sure that everyone is a great cultural fit because 100%. like if if not it's like one person's like bogging everyone down like it's noticeable and it's like shit now we have to like i don't like babying people exactly. I just make sure. yep. yeah yeah 100 100 percent. yeah once it gets to micromanage level it's like okay there's a problem and like how do we fix this problem if we can't fix this problem i guess i got to start ramping up hiring again you know <laughs> for that position so it's tough especially uh in our world where you know things move so quickly you need to always keep learning like wh- whether it's a new algorithm update or a new creative type that's come out etc it's just difficult to keep up with that while also trying to grow a business while also trying to write about it and all that so there's perks to having your own agency high cash flow work from home but at the same time it's like boy you have to be on it at all times yes so totally agree with you. so with that said how do you keep up with the rest of the agencies in the world that's a good question i, I like looking at other agencies as inspiration and seeing what they're doing the clientele they have how they're how they're positioning themselves but i don't necessarily feel like i need to keep up or like uh oh shit they're stealing you know potential clients like i feel like the people that we serve like we're both serving the same people i think right there's so many of them right there's an abundance of these businesses and companies out there and brands out there that that uh there's plenty of everybody and i really believe that and just through just through being good at what we do 
we're going to do just fine, right? So long as we like we continue to serve, continue to get great results, continue to you know make people know aware that we we get good results, then you know we're going to be fine. I, I really and I really believe that. So yeah, you have to have like an abundance mindset about it. I it took me a while to learn this and learn the same thing where it's okay if you didn't get that deal or it's okay if like you refer this out to someone else because number one like let's like if you were to break down the math there's like over a million Shopify stores in the US mm. and if you break that down even further it's about like like 30 to 50,000 of them that are doing really well out of those million Shopify stores that are like that can be your client right and if you, I guess, think of it just in a general common sense term, there's somebody out there that's probably charging twice as much as you that's doing half as less work as you. So it's like, yeah. where are those clients and how do I get to them? So that yeah. way, you know, we can service them properly while also, I wouldn't say saving the money, but providing more value for the dollar that they're getting. So that's such an interesting way, interesting way to look at it. Think about it, dude. I haven't thought of it like that, but yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, that's the only way I, I keep I keep my sanity. You know, it's just like yeah. there's a lot of them. And at the yeah. same time, I know I, I'm better than half of the people that are being serviced right now as far as, dude, because when you look like for me, I just have to look at the Clayview back end or whatever they're using back end to be like, wow, this is absolute shit. You paid 10 grand a month for this, you know? And then it's like, yeah, but here's what we can do for you for 10 grand a month. So it makes it so much easier. And they're like, wow, I'm surprised. I'm, why didn't we go with you earlier? And it's like, well, you know, sometimes you have to go and get burned by a shitty agency to, to learn your lesson. Um, so on the inverse of keeping up, I know you're not doing TikTok ads anymore. And you, you mentioned um, why, or you mentioned that you get into it. What is the main reason you're not keeping up with TikTok? Uh, the biggest reason is probably resource. Um, just like, unless we go through market creator marketplaces like hash paid and things like that these kind of marketplaces that there's creators there where you can just outsource to right um and we, we could do that but i feel like tiktok at least for our accounts that we're that we're that we're uh, helping it's not being necessary because the growth that we've been getting on facebook and google is so phenomenal that tiktok sure it, it can be it could be nice but for for from our side that would just be a distraction and divert our energy away from what's working really well for you right now. So it just doesn't make sense because the amount of like mental space and energy that we need to put into TikTok is probably like triple five times more than we need to put into Facebook or Google, but it's not going to be three or five times more result. Like the amount of revenue that you're going to bring from the channel isn't going to, isn't going to compete. So it's kind of like, is it worth it? Is it not? So I just made the decision at one point to say, you know what, let's just, you know, hold my hands up and say, you know what, uh, we're just not gonna not gonna do this. But we can we can kind of help with the because we actually have a video production studio in uh, out, out in out in Spain and and we do you know studio product shots, um, little, you know bits of like B roll and things that we can mix and match in our ads. So a lot of that stuff we we also do for our clients and they can use that for TikTok if they want. Um, but in terms of you know coming coming together to piece the whole strategy what's going to pop off what's the newest trend what's the you know the new, latest viral type of stuff that stuff is where i'm like you know what uh, I, you know I, we're not we're not watching it like that and i think you need to be you need to be tuned into it like every day looking at it you know scrolling for hours and hours to really understand it and know what's working and what's going to pop off right and we're just as a team we're just not doing that so it just kind of didn't make sense 
Yeah, that's the tough part about TikTok or short form video content. It's just you have to be in the app daily to see like what's going, what's trending right now. It's like, oh, it's this trend. Oh, it's this trend. Okay, how do we? And then you have to mobilize your team or whoever is doing that side of ads to to take charge of that trend before it dies out in the next two to three weeks because it will die out in two to three weeks and then there's a new trend every day. So yeah. it gets very complicated, very quickly, very hard. And you have to, number one, you have to have like that whole video production uh, set up or like at least a team of editors to quickly get everything up and rolling. You have to also make sure that your media buyers are in tuned to make sure that they set everything up properly. It gets to the amount of overhead you need to get a proper TikTok agency set up. I'm sure I'm, I could be overcomplicating it, but I'm thinking about it as like, how do I make the most out of TikTok to be like different than everyone else because yeah, I, I think you're right and i mean don't get me wrong i feel like tiktok's important too like if you can if you can afford to do it do it 100 percent. but I, I reckon i just think that it doesn't just because it works and it can work doesn't mean that you should put all your eggs in that basket to start with right? especially if you haven't you know honed in your facebook and google side of things like if that's not as good as it can be then is it really a good time to be messing around with with tiktok because it's so turbulent there's so many ups and downs with that one that you know it, it could just give you more stress than you need and it might not be the needle mover that's actually gonna get you quicker results and get you further faster right so absolutely it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's reminding me of like snapchat ads like two years ago when everyone's like hyping up snapchat ads or like snapchat stories whatever it was and now it's like the same thing with tiktok everyone's like oh man tiktok i'm getting these these low CPMs or I'm getting like these low CPAs and it's like, yeah, but I'm sure like enough marketers are going to get to that point where they're on TikTok and it's just going to become another Facebook, mm. a, a less utility or less utilized Facebook. I'd say as far as like ad tools go, but still it's, it's, it's got, like the well is going to run dry. And if you weren't there first, you can't use the same exact tools as you would be, would have been able to like a few years ago. So it's yeah. like a history of repeating itself in the ad space, at least. And yeah. I kind of saw that coming. Um, and I kind of can relate to what you said earlier when you mentioned like, oh, you, you just can't keep up with it. So we're going to have to say no to that service. And I kind of had the same thing when I was offering Google, Facebook, email, landing pages, the full funnel as a service. And uh, about six to eight months ago, we cut all that off. We're like, we're not doing this anymore. This is way too much to keep up with. So we just stuck with email as like a specialty and it's been fantastic ever since. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Yeah, that's so I feel like that's having that focus and channeling energy into that one thing, like nine times out of 10 is always the right move. I, I feel like, you, you know, you, rarely can you go wrong with that. And so, yeah, it makes sense. It's just the infrastructure. The infrastructure was too much. The results that we were getting with Facebook and Google were unmatched. What we were getting with email, or like email is like 100% 100 to like 95% of the time we're knocking it out of the park and getting fantastic results for clients. Whereas like with Facebook and Google, it was more like 60%, 60, 70% on a good day. And I don't like like seven to three, like three out of 10 stores that we sign on won't be able to scale. Like that's just not a good ratio. So I just wanted to minimize that as much as possible and make sure like, cause think about it, like from a business standpoint, like three out of 10, like the retention is shit on that point, you know, like three out of 10 of your clients will leave after their initial agreement. You know, that's not good, especially when you're trying to scale an agency. And the best way to do that is just to retain the clients as long as possible. 
And that's the best, like if you always get good results then they'll always stay on. Yeah. Uh, so here's my controversial thing, right? I mentioned it a few times and people always are like, are you sure? No, I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. But I truly believe this, right? And I, I really believe that servicing is more important than results. Really? I, I believe it. Okay, so break that break that down for me. Elaborate. Don't get me wrong. Re results are important. Everybody wants results, <laughs> right? You can't be in business if you can't get results, right? Like for, for yes. sure. But then you got to think about what really is the difference between one company or one agency versus another agency. Everybody's using the same tools, the same, uh, the same, even people, right? At the, at the upper scales of these large global media agencies, people are just bouncing from one agency to another. People are doing that from Omnicom to Dentsu just to all these other things, right? So even the people, the skill sets kind of jumping from, from ship to ship. So they're using the same platforms. It's the same people because skills, skill-wise, if, if you've been running Facebook ads for like eight years, then you're going to be good. But there's also how many other people who run Facebook ads for like eight years? It's, you know, it's kind of like there's a, there's a, there's a level playing field to some degree at the, at the higher echelons of skill, right? So now you're thinking, okay, what else can you offer? Like what, what makes the process of working with the client enjoyable enough that they're going to stick with you and keep paying you money? Because there's also an extent, right? Where when and we've experienced that too with some of our accounts, right? Where we, through, through just interacting with the client, they learn how to do what we do over time. Mm. So they, like we, we take them to the visit, we get into a position where they could bring it in-house if they really wanted to. And then, so now they have the question to ask themselves, do we want to make that move? Do we want to pull the trigger? So when they choose not to do that and say, no, we're just going to keep, keep sticking with you guys because we enjoy, we enjoy working with you guys and we get a lot of value from the interaction. And we're very appreciative of the journey that we've been on, right? That like means so much because that's really why I love about, you know, what we do as well is, is, is it, we're helping people. We're helping these brands. We're helping these business owners. We're helping them do something, achieve something, and make more money. Sure, but getting their their brand more known, you know, bringing awareness to their products that they care about. Like, there's so many. There's so much depth to it. And if it's just going to be transactional, say, like, oh, cool, you're you're hiring us because we can get you this result. We get you that result. Cool. But we don't really know each other. We don't speak. We don't interact. I don't know. You know, how many, if you, if you have kids or not, I don't really care. Like that. What's the point? You know, like that—that that is gonna mean that they're gonna churn out three months later, six months later, and and I have to replace that client with another one. You know, so it, it's just not in the best interest for the client or for us. For us, we want to have that relationship so then we, you know, have a long, long, you know, lifespan together, working together. So that was a really long-winded way, long-winded way of me saying that. <laughs> okay, you know, servicing is important, but yeah, I'd say I would disagree. Well, the fact that servicing is more important than the result, I'd say they're equally important because the, like my philosophy behind it is it's the result is always important. The service is always important. You have to have both that are good because if, if both are good, that means you have a very healthy and long-term partnership with this company. If results are good, but partnership is bad, that means once results go bad, they're going to churn. Mm. If relationship is good, but results are bad, you can keep them on for as long as they're willing to tolerate that relationship before the results get good. Hmm. So which one would last longer though? Which, which that one is true. I think 
I think relationship would last longer, but only by a few months or maybe half half a year at most, because there's only so long that a company can tolerate bad results before they're like, we got to look at the numbers, our cash flow is negative, you know, what do we need to do here? And they look at the first thing, it's like, okay, what's our acquisition cost? And they're like, well, our acquisition team's shit, we need to look for a new one. Yeah, you know, it's true. But Sorry. the relationship is huge, I'd say by far. So it's very important in that aspect. Mm. Now, speaking of the result side of things, how how is the, you know, I guess in the US, it's a bit different. We're, we're sort of facing a recession right now. I don't know how it is over there across the oh, pond. Dude, the pound, the GBP. That I'm is right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah we're fun. equals now. <laughs> yeah. But how, how, are you, how have you guys been dealing with on the media buying side with, I guess, an upcoming recession or at least a devaluation of the pound? Yeah, that's a good question, dude. I don't think anyone's asked me that. Being honest, I don't think we really, I can't say this is my pulse on that particular factor. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that, I, I can't see a pattern from that, uh, that uh, how would you call it? Like there's no cause from that effect so far that I've seen. Mm. Like it's just business as usual from from what we, how we do things, right? The way we we test, the way we optimize, the way we manage everything. It's just the same. If one thing's tanking in one area, then what is it that is causing it? Can we solve it? And more often than not, we can solve it. So I'm not entirely sure that has had a ripple yet. And we could talk about kind of CPMs and CPMs being cheaper and things, which I think they're definitely cheaper. Uh, this year anyway especially if, you, if we look back to uh, prior years but i don't think it's to a point where it's making media buying more difficult yet yet <laughs> yeah because i know everyone on twitter is always talking about like shopping engagement or um the way people are shopping now is more focused on the necessities versus the wants and if we were to look at most e-commerce stores, most of them are wants versus necessities, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Like skincare, like that's important, but like you don't need skincare to like le like live. You need food. You know, yeah. food's more important than skincare. Uh, but I don't want to just pigeonhole skincare here, but you get the point. <laughs> yeah. So have you seen any differences from your side of things? Because I guess like email is... Like with ads, there are so many variables and a lot of variables you can't really measure because they're real world kind of scenarios. But with email, you have a good kind of good control baseline, I guess, right? Across yeah. everything. Have you seen any kind of patterns and trends lately? Honestly, no. Person like with most of our clients that that are e-com, we have not had any problems with selling. Like if anything, well, we're increasing results for most of these clients. So we've only seen an increase because we've been optimizing their email side of things, but we have not gotten to a point where things are tanking because of just a worldwide recession. Mm. So we, it hasn't gotten to that point yet. I'm just, I just know that I've been out of the loop a little bit on the media buying side of things. So I wanted to see like, okay, how's, how's media buying dealing with this if they are dealing with it at all. But mm. on the CPM side, I know that I talked with Joe DeJenny last week, and he's also a media buyer that works with e-com brands. And he said that one of the main reasons that the CPMs are getting lower is because of the Facebook ad targeting is just not as good based on the individual category of the niches. Yes. You yeah. Can so, confirm that. Yeah. So I wouldn't say, so people talk about, people talk about the quality of the traffic and I don't think it's so much about the, the quality is something that 
we can still control if we understand why it's happening. Mm-hmm. And the reason why from the outset, the quality feels worse is because we can rely on Facebook less to do the heavy lifting for us. Mm. Because before, like I can make one ad today and use this ad, plug this ad in, let's say launch it today. And I can take the same ad and let's say I, I time jump back to two years ago and launch it at the same time, like two years to the day, it's the exact same ad. The ad two years ago will kill the performance compared to the one I launched today. Because two years ago, there's so much more backing behind it. There's so much more leverage behind how Facebook can do the targeting for us. that It has more data to work with. So today we have to work harder with, with, with the ads, with how can we actually make good advertising? Be like, we can't be lazy and say, all right, I'm going to slap on this picture. Let's do some copy here, some, some text. Slap them together, press play. Let's go. Hope for the best. Like that actually could work. Like that worked five, six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just not like how, how, yeah, we just have to work harder now. Right. And I think that's, that's really, I think that's largely the reason why traffic, people feel traffic's worse. And it's because a lot of brands, they don't realize what it actually takes now to, to, to get results. Like, the amount of resources, the amount of testing they need to do, the amount of things they need to think about, it's a, it's more than a full-time job. You've got to be looking at so many different things. A lot of times, like that's not to their detriment, to their fault. Like they don't have the resources at the at, at the moment to to do that, right? But they don't even realize that they need those resources to actually fucking do this stuff, this stuff, you know. So, you know, that's that's you know what I think about that. It's almost like tradition or it's almost like digital media buying is turning into traditional media buying all over again. Who would have thought? Mm-hmm you know <laughs> yeah like, cuz like i know all these advertising agencies way back in like 60s 70s 80s they had all these resources to do all this message testing and the messaging had to be very direct response or it had to be very uh persuasive in order to get the customer to buy the thing you know i'm reading through breakthrough advertising right now and it's talking about all of that um basically all of the all of the work that goes into product messaging or um, product angles that a lot of the media buyers from like two years ago or three years ago were missing that is ne- necessary to evolve today because the creative, the copy, and I guess the imagery is all that you need at this point. You don't need to focus on the targeting. It's just, does the creative match the audience? And if it does, good. Mm-hmm. How do we scale that up versus like, okay, I need to do these interests or I need to test against these lookalikes. And then test for the creative it's it's completely flipped basically yeah yeah i believe that i believe that so much yeah so i guess if we were to sum this up i know we have a few minutes left here um what would be like the highest like the three highest leverage actions that someone can do right now in facebook or google to have like a successful campaign i know it's not a lot but they are high leverage I'm trying to think something outside of the box. That's not the usual kind of offer, have a good offer, have a good brand, have a good message, right? I'm trying yeah. to actually bring something here. Um, but, but those things are important, right? So maybe that should be the right answer because there's no reason to be around the bush. But I think a lot of brands, they they come into the the ad game, Facebook ads, Google ads, whatever, thinking that it's it's easier than it actually is. They think that their product's amazing and it will do the job. Oh, I made this product because I know there's a market fit. I know people are buying it. I know people want it. But, you know, do you really know? Like, how much have you tested? Like, how much have you tested? How much, how many times have you tested 
even the words that you're using, even, you know, the phrases, the slogans, the, you know, the, the, the colors, the, like there's so many things that you need to really get right in order to scale. Like, I mean, one in a million chance where you're going to press play and oh shit, I've got a hundred million, million dollar ad, you know, off the rip. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's a lot harder than people think, I think. And that's the biggest thing is people go into, go into the, come into this thinking that it's a lot easier than it really is. And so. Yeah. I think a big thing I noticed when I was still doing ads was there was a consistent theme of stores that were not doing well. And the consistent theme was my product is better than this competitor product, but this competitor product is selling hundred K a month and I'm only selling 10 K a month. Like how are they doing this better? But you know, it's like, okay, you haven't considered the fact that their messaging is clear to read. They have a really good, good branding. Like may maybe this product is, is better as far as usability goes and all the ingredients in it, for example, but the messaging is not there at all. And it's just this product, shitty branding, no back end, you know, nothing. So it's like, how do you flip that, I guess, complaint? Or how do you flip that into what can I do better? Like, how are they better than me in these aspects? And it's like, okay, they're doing this, 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 and this. It's like, okay, how can I apply that to my brand? Yes. I love that. I agree. Yeah. Big ego thing to it, I think. It's Dude. a big ego thing. All right. People uh, hate to call out, you know, brand owners, <laughs> but yeah, the ego is a big thing, I think. And Absolutely. So if you get over that, then you're going to have a much easier time getting something that works. 100%. Well, Eddie, it was a pleasure. Um, thank you for coming on. Where can thank people you. find you? Where can people find me? Twitter, Ecom Eddie, uh, hit up Nikita, and then uh, you can link us up, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, thank you for having me on, man. It's been a pleasure. I had fun chatting with you. And, Likewise, uh, man. Yeah. All right. Have a good rest of your day, man. Awesome. You too, dude. Thanks again for joining us on the Scaling E-Commerce podcast. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review. It really helps out with the algorithm. If you want email marketing tips delivered straight to your inbox on a weekly basis from yours truly, then check out the link below or in the show notes to subscribe and join my newsletter. If you're a D2C brand with at least 10,000 email subscribers and interested in starting a conversation to work together, then go to aspectagency.com and we'd love to chat with you. And if you want to stay up to date with anything email and SMS, just follow me on Twitter at Nikita Vakrushev or check the show notes for the link. With that said, I'm Nikita and I'll see you in the next one.